You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Well, good morning. We're going to get started. I would like to welcome all of you, our elite task force group here who has survived or is in the process of surviving some fierce battle lines. So welcome here this morning. This is a class, just make sure everybody's in the right one, is for those of you, I mean it's for anybody, I'm sure anybody can get anything out of any class in the in the church, but it's specifically for people that have been in the church as a as a married person and then now woke up and now you're single again. And what how, how do you have a great life from that point? My name is Steve Berger and my IT girl here will fix our can you move that up? Is that oh has that thing been turned a little bit? Can you can you turn the, the screen there? I have been in uh I am coming up on celebrating my silver anniversary in the church. It'll be 25 years this July, but I want to tell you I'm going for the gold. That would put me at about almost 80, I think, but that's okay. I'm in the Orange County ministry, and I was married in the church for 13 years. I have two amazing kids. And I have a third child. <laughs> They're all amazing. And I, back in 2009, woke up and I was a single person, which I will share that story later. I would like my, my partner in suffering here, Nicole Turner, to share a little, introduce herself. Partner in suffering. That's exactly what it is. Welcome, sufferers. <laughs> Um, My name's Nicole Turner. I was baptized in 1991, uh, married five years in the church, and I have a 16-year-old son that I raised completely by myself because that is the year that my ex-husband decided to go AWOL and act crazy. So, um, yeah, I'll share a little more throughout the lesson. Yes, very good. I'm assuming that most everybody here has, uh, I think the, the majority that I would expect in here are people that have gone through divorce. Would that be safe to say? Yeah. People that have been married and gone through divorce, married in the world, then got baptized, got, went through divorce, or married in the church, and then got, went through divorce. Anybody going through one right now? Yeah, so sorry. I, um, you know, I, I have a, a soft spot for people going through it. It's, uh, and it's so rampant everywhere. But I do want to say to all of you that have gone through that, congratulations, because you are still faithful. And there was a time when early on, when I was going through all my stuff, which you're going to hear about, 
that people would congratulate me. And I'd be like, what are you congratulating me for? And later to find out that they were congratulating me because I was still faithful. And the reason that they were congratulating me was because a lot of people that go through what we have gone through or are going through, their spouse leaves the church, leaves God back in the world, and then they leave. And I never under, I never could, could, could understand all of what that, how that all came about. One of the reasons I think I have greater compassion for people as I meet them on the street, anywhere I go, uh, to people that have been divorced is because it, divorce feels like a death. It's, it's like the person, in some ways it's worse than a death because the person that you cared about is now gone and then, but they're still alive. And that makes them kind of like a zombie, right? I mean, I, I just want you to know, though, that I, I've, I've worked through all my hard feelings, but I'm still working through them. So. <laughs> Let's open up with a prayer. God, I just want to thank you for who you are and revealing yourself to all of us here calling us out of the world, calling us out of a very broken and fallen world, God, into your kingdom. And, uh, Father, I just want to just thank you for all the faithful hearts here today who have gone through just fierce battles to uh, just to stay close to you. And, God, Satan is alive and kicking and just wants to take us out. And certainly uh, the... Uh, Taking out our spouse is a, is a way to just really, really get to us. But, uh, God, I just pray that every one of us is here 25 years later, faithful as can be, with stories to tell, to minister to those that are going through the same thing. But, uh, God, we uh, are so grateful for you, and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I think that... Getting, I think that when you're married in the church and then there's a, there's a breakup, I think that it can be more painful. Um, not to make light of a- any divorce, because I know a lot of people in the world that I run into, it, it's a very sometimes matter of fact, flippant kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're, you know, just the wrong person or something. But when we're, when we're joined by God and we're in a covenant bond, I mean, that's a serious thing. We have made a covenant with God Almighty and then we make a s- similar covenant with our spouse that we're going to be faithful to the end to each other. And then all of a sudden, one day that ends, it, it makes it just so much more difficult. To, to comprehend and process. And if there's adultery involved, it's, it's even worse. It's, it's like, oh my gosh, the, the, that feeling of betrayal. And if you've been on the, the opposite end of that. But then the question is, well, why must we suffer? I was married for 13 years and then I wake up one day, three kids later, and here I am single again which is not what I had signed up for. Certainly, I just believe that, hey, two people love God, you make it to the end. 
It's, it's so different than in the world. And then I can just, I just remember those, the, the, the fear. I've never felt fear like that just creep over of what it's gonna, what would it be, what's it gonna be like now? What's my future gonna hold at this point after being a single person, after the only thing I've known for the last 13 years is just really striving to be a married person. And then there's the, the transition. Where do you go from here? What ministry do you end up in? And because I felt at that point, I feel, still feel married. I just don't have a wife. I got my three kids. And so do I go in the singles? Well, you know, I, I still feel married though. But, and most of the people that in, when I'm transitioning over there, they just don't get me because they've either never been married or, and this is the majority and not everybody, but or they don't have kids and ready to deal with that. So I'm kind of in my own little category right there. And I found leaders didn't even get me. I mean, they, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. But this a whole idea of divorce, and, and I know that there's some people here that have lost some somebody uh, by death, and that's a different story. Nicole's going to share a little bit about that uh, as we go through. But this is modern-day suffering. I mean, it really is. And in Orange County, it is absolutely rampant. I cannot believe uh, how many people I come into contact with. It's like everybody's been married at least once. I was driving down the street yesterday. I actually saw this sign. I had to take a picture. Okay, I'm right at the stoplight. This is... uh, 50 bucks to start your divorce and we'll wa- you walk in. And, and there you go. They'll probably have drive through coming up one day soon. But we have to get a perspective. And, and that's the whole thing. With As disciples, we gain perspective on suffering. That's what makes us different. That's what prepares us for this life. I don't know how people make it outside of God when they go through some of these horrific times. We have to know that suffering is good, and Scripture tells us that. That in James, that it produces maturity and godly character qualities. That it's a, it's a privilege of just identifying with Jesus, Jesus who knew suffering in its worst form. It's proof in Hebrews that we are true children of God. That it helps us identify and get rid of the impurities in our life, as we read in Hebrews Sometimes we bring it on, right? <laughs> We're not perfect. I'm not here before you saying that I was a perfect husband and all this stuff happened to me. It helps us to intimately know more of the Lord's attributes and identify with his sufferings. And it allows us to teach others through our example of how God can work for the good. We have a different perspective than under any circumstances that God can work and, and something good can come from it. And then James says, consider it pure joy when we're tested and when we have trials of many kinds that it's just going to mold us and shape us and make us mature and complete. And then Peter wrote that don't be surprised. I mean, you know, we, we sometimes... We're surprised, right, when something like this happens. It's a broken world, guys. It's fallen. I mean, it's just, uh, we just have to accept that, that I'm a sinner, I married a sinner, and 
as much as we hope for the best, I think we have a better chance of staying in a, in a, in a, in a marriage, but it's not a guarantee. Suffering by definition to experience adverse effects of something unpleasant, to feel pain, grief, or discomfort. And then someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? Why not? They're the only ones who can take it, right? <laughs> what do most people do when they suffer? They, they pound alcohol, they're pounding drugs, they're in all kinds of relationships. It always blows me away to meet people in the world when they're, when they're going through a divorce. They're already out and getting married and dating and moving in together with other people. And they're not, the ink isn't even dry on their divorce. Songwriter, uh, musician, uh, Rich Mullins, you meet the Lord in the furnace a long time before you meet him in the sky. I can't think of any better story in the Bible story to camp out on this topic than in the story of Job. I, for me, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think Job should be made into a musical, just like Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, there's just so many events in there, right? I'm going to contact Andrew Lloyd Webber, see if we can get that thing going. Did you guys know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually doing musicals now? Oh, yeah, he was on the set of his new musical the other day, as a matter of fact. And he was actually giving out the parts to his co-stars. And he said, you be Mozart. You will be Chopin, you will be Rivaldi, and I'll be Bach. <laughs> if I didn't have bad jokes, I wouldn't have any jokes, okay? But it would be a good Broadway show, don't you think? So the story of Job, <clears throat> which we're probably, have everybody read through that? <laughs> There's so much to learn here. In the land of Uz, there lived a man named Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, had a large number of servants, and he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Let's just say Job had it going on. He was a godly man. He was blameless. He was God-fearing. He shunned evil. He had a great business, and he had a great family. In, <clears throat> we read, we read in, uh, as we read through the first chapter, that one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan always comes along too at inopportune times. He's always that uninvited guest. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Kind of like a proud dad, you know, uh, there's my son. Nobody can touch him. You know, have Adam. He'll, he'll pass any test. And then Satan, you know, always there, creeping around, 
to try and create doubt. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? And you have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hands, strike everything he has. He will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then surely enough, all you know what hits, right? And we know the story here that he loses his, uh, he loses his business. He loses his uh, personal wealth, his money, his material possessions, and ultimately his family life as we read into chapter 2. At this time, I'm going to bring up Nicole, and she's going to share a little bit about the suffering that she's endured in her life. Um, hello, my name is Jovina. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to joke about that because of the suffering um, that I have endured throughout my whole life. It's so hard for me to look out in the crowd because there's people out here that I'm like, what are you doing in here? I don't want to see these people. I want you to be somewhere else. It makes me sad a little bit because I didn't expect to see some of you. So I really hope that this helps you. Um, anyways, uh, I grew up in a family of seven. I'm the youngest of seven. And my mom and dad were together all of my life growing up. And it was wonderful. Like, I was a spoiled child. I had a lot going on for me. I grew up in Long Beach, and it was a great time, you know, in the 70s. And with all that said, I thought marriage was just what my mom and dad made it out to be for me, which was perfect. You know, I just saw them going to work, and we had this great house and huge big yard, and it was just a wonderful time for me. And um, my mom was the kind of woman that she served my dad. She really, like, laid her life down for him. She was one of those women that... Not that my dad asked this of her, but if they were cooking a meal together, my dad would pick up his glass and sit it down when it was empty, and my mom would get up and fill it up with lemonade. And I just tell you that story because that all impacted me. You know, it made me think, oh, that's what marriage is supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to do for your husband. And then I get into the kingdom, and I'm so excited, and I see all these people getting married, some of my best friends getting married, and... I thought that marriage was going to be this incredible thing. Like, I almost made it to Disneyland World, right? There's no way where you will ever separate because we're fight, we fought so hard to stay pure in our dating relationship. We fought so hard to keep everything righteous before God. And then when it started to fall apart, I, I was pregnant. And I was pregnant with twins. So, I I told you I have one son, so I ended up losing one throughout the pregnancy, and it was just due to stress. And it was very tough. It was a very tough time for me, and that's when he started to really act weird. My my husband at the time, it was I was probably seven months on it when he started just not coming home, and I was like, "What's going on?" You know, there was things that were revealed that I had no idea about. He used drugs. 
when we got married, I, that wasn't revealed. So I had no idea that that was part of his background. So in dealing with that, it was just, it was so difficult. You know, I, I said, you know what? I am not the kind of woman that will allow this to happen. One day, I was eight months pregnant. He had you. I came home, and there was drug paraphernalia in the house, and I packed up his bags, and I put them outside. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I couldn't live like that. I couldn't. I didn't deserve that. I'm God's daughter. I'm chosen. There's no reason for me to suffer in that way. He had a fit. He, we, he had the only car. I didn't care. I was like, God, I trust in you. I believe in you. I am walking by faith, not by sight. And he, and I'm not going to go through this. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Probably my son. Anyways, it was really tough, you know, to go through that. And I didn't know what was going to happen. But you know what? My family of God came to my rescue in that moment. People started coming over. They started bringing me food. They took me places. And not to mention, guys, this was the year of 9-11 when I just, I was so afraid. Like fear just, I just, after I had my son, I would come home and I was afraid to go outside. I was like, everything's falling around me. But I would just pray and trust God. And I'm here to tell you right now, my son is 16. He's a disciple. He is the 13th fastest boy in the South Bay. I'm so proud of that. Like, I'm like, look what God did. This is such a huge miracle, you know, just to see how wonderful things have turned out for me. And all because of my faith, I believe, and the suffering, it really has refined me. It really has produced a perseverance in me. All the things that the scriptures say, I actually feel like it is, I'm living it. So I'll share more, but I just wanted to tell you guys that wherever you are in this process, that you will make it. Don't give up. Keep holding on. God loves you. He believes in you. He will not give you more than you can handle, which is saying a lot. That means he believes in you, right? Because like what he said, death is hard. I mean, divorce is hard because this person's walking around, right? And you're just like, when someone dies, it's kind of like, okay, they died and that's the end of them. You still have to deal with them. You still have to do child support. You still have to protect your kid when, when he doesn't show up or whatever happens. They don't want to pay child support. You still have to deal. I see people nodding their head. You still have to go through all of those things. You still have to deal with that. And so that every time it's just like, oh, this wound, the band-aid was snatched off. But pretty soon it gets better because I, you just go to God and you talk to him about all of those things. Don't hold back. Pour it out. And it, and it gets better. So I'll let Steve come in right here. Hey, I used to be fast. <laughs> way back. Way, way back. Now girl, little girls can beat me in a race. My story that I'm going to share takes place in a little pocket of time here. Between June of 2008 and May of 2010, this is what I was going through. Uh, wife leaves the church. It was uh, kind of the big, the biggie, um, shocking bomb, first bomb, first domino that fell. 
moving, going to move out in a couple months later. Uh, I had to endure this. This was, uh, blew my mind. I, I just um, cried for uncontrollably for two days. Uh, within two weeks of moving out, I had divorce papers in my hand. I, uh, <laughs> you know how the disciples, or yeah, Peter denied Jesus. I, I had people that I was close to that, because as you guys know, divorce tends to divide everybody. Even in the church, you kind of have, if somebody's, you, it just makes two sides. Certainly in the families and the friends and people go on one side. And there was a couple sisters that went on, jumped on the other side that she was close to. And there were slanderous accusations made that were used in court against me. They were talked to by leadership. They were completely in the wrong and, and dealt with it. And there was repentance, but it was still brutal to, to, wow, this is a sister. Um, I'm standing before the judge and, and, uh, he orders, I'm going from having my children every day for 30, every day of the month to now he orders eight days a month with my kids were 10, seven and two at the time. And then, um, he, the market is tumbling, crashing. I'm in the mortgage industry and I'm, everything is going south. There's no business left. And he orders me a, an ungodly amount of child support and alimony, more than what most people will ever make in two years to have to pay when there's no money. <laughs> and then as soon as that all takes place, my ex-wife moves 30 miles away. So in terms of trying to see my kids or even bring them back and forth to school, I'm going 30 in the morning, coming back home, going to pick them up 30 more miles. So I'm doing 120 miles a day with the days that I have them. As I indicated, the, my financial world just, <laughs> that was the least of my worries, was just losing all my money and everything that I owned. There was nothing left. I had a few different properties. Every one of them was going south. So you can only imagine the phones blowing up left and right with people calling uh, back when uh, everything was just going south financially. I was forced to file bankruptcy. Um, in 2000, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune illness. Never had a single problem with it. And then when I was going through my new stress diet, I everything went south. And I, I had a blood clot in my lung. A few months later, I had a full blood clot in my leg. I didn't even know blood clots were deadly at the time. I was just dealing with it along with everything else flying all over the place. And I was in the ER five times. I'd be by myself in the house, and I'm just kind of calling paramedics, come get me, bring me to the hospital. Um, I lost 40 pounds in a in a, such a short window of time, and all my hair was just falling out to where people in the fellowship were doing double takes thinking that I had cancer because it was so fast. And I was at the lowest point of my life emotionally with all of that at the same time that for the very first time in my life, I connected the dots why people take their life. I've always been considered a happy person and I'm like, when people, people take their life, I'm like, how could, how bad could it be? You know, why, why, there's so much, there's so many good things going on, but emotionally I connected and I understand it and I'm a lot more sympathetic to people and I'm just more shocked and, and more sad when I hear stories like that. 
There were smart aleck brothers in the fellowship that were calling me Job to my face. But this is what I looked like at that time. 40 pounds lighter, all my hair fell out. But let me explain the AKA AKA rifle there. That was just a pose, okay? I had no intentions. I felt a few things at the time. Probably not apropos in today's world, but I was doing a mortgage for a Vietnam vet. He had an arsenal of weapons. I said, I've never held one of these. These are what they were using in Iraq. I just wanted to get a picture with one. Sorry. It's my, I didn't know what I was doing back then. Sometimes I still don't. But we go back to Job, and Job's initial response was what I wish mine was. <laughs> go to God in worship. Reflect on where you came from and where you were really going. That I, I, came, I came naked in the world. I'm leaving with nothing. <laughs> Who cares, really? I got nothing. All the stuff I have is from God anyway, and then... He did not sin. I wish I could say I, I had this response. For me, I was like this. I, I was, I had every, every raging, raging emotion going on. I was feeling anger, bitterness, fear. Discouragement, depression, loneliness, betrayal, sad. One of the things I did was I'd go to comedy clubs every week because if I wasn't laughing, I was crying. I was so down. I, and I lived on a mountaintop in Seattle. That's where I, I and, and I was very isolated from everyone. I, and I was just me and I, my two dogs. And my dogs kind of helped me get through it. They're both in heaven now. All dogs go to heaven, and they're not in hell with cats. Well, you can't go to heaven all prideful and independent and arrogant. Come on. Gee, all you cat lovers out there. But other things that Job did that we can all learn from, he focused on God's wisdom and power. He remembered... That God's wisdom is profound. His power is vast. And, and he's just reminding himself of, of how awesome God is, despite his circumstances. To God belong power, wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. He held on to God's great love. And he reflected on his relationship that he had with him. You gave me life, showed me kindness in your providence, watched over my spirit. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. I know that my Redeemer lives, and then in the end, he will stand on the earth. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. But Job had his, mo- Job had his moments, right? We, I'm sure many of us get them now, as I do. Even putting this class together, it, it, it is it, the reminder. was just It's, it's hard. It's hard to... Because, you know, you kind of, it's been, well, I'm, I have a, I, let, me, let me stop there. I have 
Uh, I've been reminded throughout, because certainly the breakup was not clean by any means, especially having kids involved and having to, uh, and it's just not been a good relationship, and it still is not. Uh, but Job had his moments wishing he never existed. <laughs> I got it. I got it right there. And then people will say dumb things. I, I'm sure, you know, like Job's friends. I mean, now you've proved to be of no help. <laughs> right? I mean, have we had our people in our lives who care about us but you know what here's the thing though guys people don't know how to respond to this it's not like i mean unfortunately the only ones that can really really have the opportunity to help are us because we know what it feels like to have to go through that type of suffering i've heard many things like these you are miserable comforters all of you I, i remember as i'm sharing like right in 2009 there was a singles conference in like July of 2009 in Palm Springs. Here I am. I'm in Seattle. I'm isolated on the mountain. I'm going through all the stuff I just shared with you. And I'm thinking, I I, got to get some kind of fellowship. I got to get some kind of something positive going in my life here. So I says, you know what? I'm going to come down to the singles conference and I'm going to just go and I'm just going to go and get some teaching and classes and just be with disciples. My divorce wasn't taking place for one week, okay? So I I just went there. I was going there just for fellowship. And so I fly down, and, you know, I pick myself up. I look like that guy in the the rifle, and I come down here. And, you know, in one of the breaks at one of the conferences, there was a sister that uh, came up to me. We were talking a little bit, and I just said, yeah, I just came down here for a little fellowship. I, I, uh, you know, my, my divorce will be final in about a week. And she goes, What'd you just say? I said, yeah, you know, I've had the hardest time of my life. I'm just really, really just trying to pick myself back up. Thought I wanted to be around, you know, some positive environment, be around disciples, just to kind of get encouragement. She goes, you're still married? I go, well, yeah, but for about a week more. She goes, I would never have come to a singles conference if I wasn't, if I was still married. And I go, thank you for your compassion. I've had the worst time of my life. Thank you. <laughs> People can be miserable comforters. Needless to say, I wasn't comforted. Where am I? Okay. There is life after divorce. There is life after being married and now single again. And one of the things I've learned is not to waste your suffering. Let's get some mileage out of it. And there are plenty of things that you can do. I mean, Job's reputation was for instructing many, strengthening feeble hands, supporting people who are stumbling. Honestly, guys, nobody can support people going through what we're going to through like we can. It's interesting because, you know, it's been about nine years, but I still, I'm kind of like a go-to guy for people going through or starting a divorce process in the church. 
And I really enjoy being that person. I like when people call me up and say, hey, can you talk to so-and-so? I've got so many cool relationships as a result of, you know, that I would never have had any other way. Uh, And I'm very grateful for that. When one of the biggest shots in the arm when I was when I was um, going through all that was moving to Orange County. My ex-wife announced if I didn't comply that uh, we will be in another court battle and you need to go down there with because I'm going down there. If you want to see your kids, blah, 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 I will win. <laughs> I was not ready for another court battle at that time. So I went and I was glad I did because right away I was able to plug in and be useful again and was able to step in and lead a singles Bible talk with Lisa Badig. And, you know, if you want a spiritual shot in the arm, you hang around Lisa Badig for a while and you're alive and kicking again. And uh, it's contagious. And we had a really amazing group of singles that... Uh, and that we were very unified. We were together a lot. We, we, uh, we were just living like the disciples are supposed to live. And, and, uh, we, we, uh, baptized many in our group. So about lots of people. We had prayer times at the beach. We did scavenger hunts. One scavenger hunt we did was the challenge was to go find somebody, random person, and just as a group, just go sing happy birthday to them. And as our, our whole Bible talk, found a guy running out of the gym, and we just stopped and we stopped him and sang happy birthday, and he became our brother in Christ. <laughs> the worst thing to do in these circumstances is nothing, because there really isn't nothing. There's focus on yourself or focus on on the kingdom. The uh, other thing is is that we have. Wisdom that I mentioned that we wouldn't otherwise have for being relatable to, <laughs> uh, in a very elite group, but although it's becoming more and more popular, Orange County is now the number one divorce county in the, well, the country, but probably the world because the world doesn't have quite like what we have in the U.S. As a result of various, the sickness I've endured and the being a single dad, I'm so much more compassionate to single parents and what they go through, even though I wasn't full time. And then people that, you know, people as we get older and as we get older as a church, more and more people get sick, people die and, you know, through sickness. And I'm just, I'm just more sensitized to it. I would never if I had not gone through all that myself. Nicole is going to come up and share a little bit more about kind of the things that she has done to stay focused on God and uh, life after divorce. Um, For me, it was, you know, I, I often felt ostracized because it was a time in the church where people didn't really... It wasn't really a big thing where there was a lot of divorce going on. It was in 2001. So no one really knew what to say to me or what to do. So I was kind of like just out there. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of like, do I stay in the marriage ministry? 
do I go to the singles? So I kind of dibbled and dabbled a little bit in both because I didn't know what to do. And no one really even knew what to say. Not even the minister. Like it wasn't even really addressed. And that alone can just make you feel so isolated and lonely, right? Because you don't know. You just kind of like, what do you do? So my career choice is I'm, I'm a, a child care professional, and I decided I am going to focus on my son. So I started doing that, and basically what happened is our church saw my example in that, and then they started really focusing on the ministry in that way. So whatever life stage you, your child was in, your oldest child was in, a ministry was actually developed because of what I was doing. And because I was an educator, they kind of said, oh, this is a good thing. So it made it really a positive influence, so much so, guys, that we have 30 teens in our ministry, and like 25 of them are disciples right now. And they've been together since they were like two. And so the relationship, the bond is incredible. And I credit God for that because I know it was because I really started focusing on that. You know, it was hard for me because I worked with kids at the time. And I said, you know, I don't really want to work with kids at church, too. I was like, no, I have my own kid at home and now I'm working with kids at church. But it really produced such an amazing thing. And I love working in the children's ministry right now with the teens, the preteens, because I sneak and study the Bible with them. Like I do all the whole studies throughout the whole course because I'm like, oh, this will help them. And it really has. And it's been amazing. So that was one of the things I decided to do was just focus in on my son. And now I'm fully involved in the singles ministry, like fully, fully. I'm the organizer in our ministry, which we all have roles. And it's just amazing because I get to plan events and I, I sneak and plan events that the teens are having at the same location so I can be not driving around the whole city at the same time, you know? So it's just been amazing because God has superly blessed my life. I finished college during this course. Um, uh, another, a married couple let me live in this house and it is a mansion, guys. And I lived there for three years for free. And I'm not kidding when I say it, it looks like a castle. It's beautiful. And they just, you know, people People were just really there to take care of me. And I really believe because I decided life is tough. It is disciple or not a disciple. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be angry. I'm just going to trust God because he is allowing me to go through these things. And he's allowing me to go through these things for a reason. And so I've helped many women, you know, people who are not disciples to help to facilitate different things in their lives, to go through, to get on programs, you know, just to help yourself because you need help and there's nothing wrong with taking the help. And I, and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. And I did. And now I'm like at one of the highest positions at my job. My boss is training me to be the president of the company. And it's really great. And it's amazing because the company's called Padalos Niños. And even that, my husband was Hispanic. I was like, hey, look, I learned a little Spanish when I was married to him. So now I can, like, I'm like gleaning still. Things are still going amazing as a result. And it's just because I refuse. I refuse to let Satan win. I refuse. I just say, no, God does not allow me to, he didn't want me to be angry with him. He does stupid things still. Like I asked him last week, I think, could you buy him some shoes? And he said, sure, I'll buy him some shoes. He's a track. He runs track, so he needs shoes every six months. Plus, he's like 6'2". So um, he said yes, but he never got him. And, you know, it makes you angry for a second. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to be righteously angry. 
and then I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm done after that. I'm not going to be mad anymore because why? I don't need that. You know, our life is hard enough, right? Without, without just walking around being angry at someone. And plus God is for us. So who can be against us? He's our provider. He wakes me up sometimes in the middle of the night, whispers to me, and he's like, I want to talk to you. And I wake up every single time because I'm like, he is my husband in this moment. And he has something to say to me. So I get up, I go outside, I go on a prayer walk. I spend time with God because I want to hear what he has to say. And I believe when I listen to those little nudges, those are the times where he really blesses my life. You know, when I refuse sin that likes to crouch really right behind me, you guys know what I'm talking about, the purity issues, right? Those times when I say no, you know, when I refuse, I'm not. I'm going to be righteous for God. He allowed me to go through this so I can do this. And all of you can too. So I just hope that this time for you and just talking to us and hearing these lessons is for a reason. You're going to be able to help somebody become a Christian because of it. There's plenty of people who are in need. As he talked about Orange County, it's rampant everywhere. I almost feel like we're in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? With all the stuff going on, people need Jesus. So I just want to encourage you guys, stay faithful, don't give up. I'm going to give all of you my phone number if you need it, if you want to talk or call or whatever it is, because I really feel like we need to pull for each other. We need to be there for each other because it is a tough time. And sometimes you just cry. I think I cried a river the first couple of years. I was just like, I could fill up a river with tears. But now I'm done. You know, I get mad every once in a while, but now I'm just trusting in the Lord, and I know he's going to give me the desires of my heart, and I just wait for it. So, amen. That was the other thing, too. I had to focus on my kids because they needed me. Now they're teens and they don't need me. They just need my money now. (laughs) When we are in this intimate relationship with God, his concerns become our concerns. And certainly, being single again, we find ourselves having more time. I had the kind of the back and forth with the kids, so I do find myself you know, pretty much with a lot more time that way. And then these are some things that I would just encourage everybody to just take note of. These are things that were indicative of Job is stay pure and... Stay away from materialism in Job 31. And these are all things that were indicative of who Job was. Uh, be generous. Find ways to be generous. This is something that uh, is, a, is a soft spot for me. I'm just really trying to get involved with the homeless in some way and just, just to keep my focus outward. Uh, practice hospitality. We have opportunities to have people come over and just spend time with people. Um, serve the poor. Uh, that, that kind of along the lines of what I just said. And... Now this one, <laughs> this one's been a challenge for me with my ex-wife mostly because it's been a rocky, that's kind of minimizing it for the last nine years. And last, two summers ago, two, well, it wasn't more than the summer, but in March of 2016, I got served more papers for more, more money. And <laughs> from March till about November, just all of those same feelings came back. I thought I really worked through a lot of my, my bitterness and my anger. I thought I was all kind of home free. 
And it's interesting. I'm on a prayer walk in March of 2016, and I'm just praying to God. God, my life is so good. I'm just so grateful. Everything's awesome. And within a week, I had papers in my hand. And it was emotionally so draining, so expensive. I mean, it was like tenfold more than the divorce because California's system is so broken in this area and they just drag you through the system and it just cleaned everything out again. It was like going through a divorce all over again two years ago. Um, But I do say that with the idea that you're going to, you're going to suffer again, more than likely. And the older we get, people close to us will pass. There's a brother that my heart just really goes out to him. He went through a divorce. He got remarried. This up in Orange County. And then he's married five years, and his wife of five years just um, gets diagnosed with cancer. Within a year, she just passed last Saturday, and we're going to the funeral after this today. Um, I didn't even get it. She's 35 years old. It's just... So heartbreaking. But this is where we all want to be because really the kind of the summation of the matter, the summary of it all is in Job 42.5. At the end of it all, he says, and this this is after he's lived this blameless life. He says, my eyes had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And it's and that's a, that's how we have to embrace our suffering is that now we're going to see God through this. And then God doesn't save us from the fire. He saves us in the fire. Things to take note of. Our walk with God is to prepare us for a life of suffering. And then at the end of it all, Job was doubly blessed. And you know what? It may not be all financial. It probably won't be. But spiritually, we got more. We got more that we, we have, where we have grown through this crazy experience. We don't have much time. If um, anybody had any questions or wanted to, we have about five minutes, or if you wanted to stick around, I mean, if you have any, anything you want to share, any comments, anything for Nicole or me, we're here for you. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.